Good evening, Marvel Maniacs. This is a special episode of Guardians of the MCU, where we'll be reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, joining me here today is Eric. Good evening, Eric. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. Can't complain. Just, you know, my hair is purple, so I'm having a great day. Ah, very nice. My very nice. I've always meant to try the purple hair, but then I, I need more hair, so... Fair enough. I mean, you could always dye whatever you have and have your best life with that. That's true. I may or may not have dyed my hair slightly at one point in my life. Mm -hmm. Nobody else will ever know. Exactly. If there's no proof, how would they know? Yeah, I don't think I have any pictures. And, and there you go. Nobody would know. Um, but yeah, my birthday is on Friday, the 24th. So Yay. Happy birthday. Thank you. I will be turning 40, which I'm really excited about. Um, I know some people are like, oh, 40, that's, that's scary. I'm like, no, 40 is great. I'm excited. I have been alive on the planet for 40 years. So that's super exciting. That is quite the accomplishment these days, it seems like. You're right. And, and just, you're much younger than me by like almost a decade. So yeah, you, you don't get to complain about being old. Oh, I don't, com I don't complain about it at all. It's other people <laughs> complain like, for their, they'll be like, I'm I'm turning 35 I'm so old. I'm like, I'm turning 40. What does that make me? And they're like, no, no, no. But I haven't accomplished right. it. Like, I also have not accomplished said things. But I'm like, but that's okay. <laughs> they're like, no, no, no. But I haven't. You're fine. I'm like, how is that? Fit? How? Okay, you know what? Conversation will end kind of thing. Because, yeah. yeah. You can only go so far in those conversations. Exactly. So I just go, mm -hmm. okay, well, I hope, I hope it goes well for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, um, I guess we should tell everybody what day, today's date is. It is February 20th, 2023. Um, just as a, just some of the things that we should be talking about, um, I guess, network things. Um, Guardians of the MCU is part of the Random Chatter Network. Um, you can check us out at randomchatter.com for information on our shows, membership through Patreon, access to the Escape Hatch Discord server, and show merchandise from TeePublic. I don't think there are any other announcements that I am aware of. But Not that I know of. Yeah, that's, I don't know any, any of the other announcements because nobody told me any of the other announcements. But if you'd like to leave us a review, please do so um, through, I think, is it Google Reviews or anything? You can do it in a number of places. Uh, yeah. Basically, any place you find the podcast, you should be able to do it. You can do it on uh, iTunes. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all kinds of stuff. There you go. Thanks for filling that in, Eric. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So I guess we'll get right to it. Um, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania released technically February 17th, but I saw it on the 16th and at the premiere the week before that. So I got to see it twice. Um, nice. Is, it, it was lots of fun. Um, I know we were supposed to try to do a premiere review we didn't get a chance to do that, so we'll kind of squash that in here as well. Um, but yeah, this is the third installment of the Ant-Man series. Um, we can start off, I guess, with first impressions. What did you think of the movie, Eric? So I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a little disappointed when I got out of it and saw how the internet reacted to it. Mm -hmm. um, it was... It was good, though. I don't think it was one of the best MCU films. Right. I don't think that it was very deep on plot. 
Uh, but I thought the character moments were genuine. They were fun. I think the overall story was fun. I thought the world building was good. I loved Kang, as most people do. And I I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. I may see it again while it's in the theaters. Not sure yet. But uh, I liked it. What about you? I really enjoyed it. I ended up seeing it because I saw it at the premiere first. I hadn't seen any of the reviews. or Not that I see the reviews before watching a movie anyways. But I really hadn't seen anything come across anybody's radar. My friends hadn't sent anything. So I had a lot of fun with it. I agree with you. It's Good. not my favorite MCU. But that's not to say that it's a bad movie. I just, there's other ones that I love more. Do I think that this one is rewatchable for me? Absolutely. Because yeah. there are moments, you know, I have moments where I'm like, you know what, I need a serious movie and I'll watch a serious one. If I want something a little bit lighthearted. There's other MCU movies I'll watch first. This one, I liked the characters. I thought Scott was great. Um, Jonathan Majors definitely stole the show. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, just the person, the actor who he is, he's fantastic. Um, yeah. I, it was it was a fun ride, and I think, yeah, I just had a good time with it. Good. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into the more of the details here in a moment, I'm sure, but it, it's it seems to be probably the most divisive Marvel movie in right. a long time. Um, yeah. A lot of people, most people did not like Love and Thunder. Most mm-hmm. people did not like the Eternals. And if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, and I get it, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, you have to take it with a grain of salt, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest Marvel movie ever has been The Eternals at 47%. Right. And now Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has tied it at mm-hmm. 47%. Right. So the critics really did not like it. Now the audience score is 84. Yeah. And so that's pretty good. I think that that's more more reasonable. And I get some of the complaints that people had about it, but I feel like people like really either loved the movie or hated it. There, There's not a whole lot of in between on this. And I'm from what I gathered, I think that there are people that were expecting something differently from it based off of the trailers. I could right. see people seeing or expecting something different of the movie. But then when they saw it, they were like, that was not what I was thinking was going to happen. And the disappointment right. got them really upset about it. Because if you went in with zero expectations, because I figured it's an Ant-Man movie at the end of the day, so you're still going to get elements of Ant-Man in it. Yeah. So I went in with, I mean, but I also like Paul Rudd and I've liked the other two Ant-Man movies. I thought they were fun. They're entertaining. Yeah. I were great. Um, but I know that I was like, I was one, I really wanted to hear what Tim says about this one. <laughs> Me too. Excited to see this one being like, oh, it doesn't look like Ant-Man and the Wasp at all. And I remember watching it going, this is very Ant-Man. And it's very Ant-Man. So I wonder how yeah. Tim about this. So I'm really interested to see when, whenever he comes across, whenever he gets a chance to watch it. What I am too. About this. Yeah. And, and to your point about people's expectations, I think the other thing too is the ending. Right. Um, yeah. There's a lot of talk on the internet, a lot of speculation in advance about what the ending might be like in regards to the greater MCU moving forward. And I think that people were caught off guard and disappointed by it. But I also think that it didn't actually end the way people think it ended. I I think there's more to that and we can get to that maybe later in the episode, but I I think people maybe misinterpreted some of the stuff about the end. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we can talk more about it in depth a, a little later, 
Um, I guess we can start off with some of the different characters and mm-hmm. we'll just go from there. We can start off with Scott since he's the main character uh, or one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. He was very, you know, we see Scott after, you know, after Endgame and what he's up to. He's, you know, people know who he is, except for that man at the, the store who calls him Spider-Man. <laughs> we don't know. Um, but otherwise, most people seem to recognize him. They're high-fiving him. They're really happy to see him. There's a kid who has a backpack with him on it and is super happy to see Scott when he walks by. But we we know from what we can tell, he's living a happy life. He wrote a book. He's he seems Which, to- by the way, which, by the way, is coming out in actual... Format yeah. later this year. There's an actual book coming. Yep. I saw it and I was like, I need to pre-order this. I haven't yet, but I will. I'm just was waiting mm-hmm. for the pass. So I'm like, I'm waiting case. for the audiobook, which I hope is also narrated by Paul Rudd. I hope so, because that would be I would get both just because. Mm-hmm. Just because. Um, but yeah, so that we had Scott sharing his book, but he seemed really content with, hey, I saved the universe once, I saved the planet. Saved, saved humanity once. I'm good with just living in the now and not doing anything else further. That's kind of where we see him at the point in this movie. Yeah. And I have to say, I love Scott Lang. I love Paul Rudd's performance of him. Mm-hmm. I love Scott as a character. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Oh, yeah. I think that not only is he funny, but he's also very human yeah. and very relatable. Probably the single most relatable character, I think. If not, he's definitely one of the most relatable characters. Absolutely. And I, again, I could be biased because I do like Paul Rudd as an actor and I think he's funny. So I just, I enjoy watching a lot of the MN movies or all the mm-hmm. MN movies because they're just, they're fun. I think the one thing, and I guess it, it's not really, to do with Scott per se. The only thing I was a little sad about was we didn't get to see Louise. I was kind of hoping you'd be there. I know that was crushing. Yeah. That was a little sad and not sad enough where I was like, I hate this movie. I was more just like, Oh man, where's Louise in this one? Yeah. But well, I'm sure we'll see him somewhere later. I hope so. We better. Yeah. Or I'm going to petition. I agreed. I, we need more of him. Can we just have maybe Louise Wong and, I don't know. There's a few other like characters. Is Jimmy maybe, Korg. Old, you know, yeah, Korg. Just having a little, you know, they're just going over and telling us the the plot of every Marvel movie it, as quickly as possible. Like that would just, I would enjoy that very much. So, I think so. I think that we need that. We we need a, a Korg, Wong, Jimmy, and Ruiz show. Yeah, we got to see Jimmy for a little bit in uh, Ant Man the Wasp. He and Scott were having lunch, dinner, True. a meal together. But, you know, we didn't say anything. We didn't get to hear hear from yeah, him. Yeah, it was a montage. Yeah, we just cheated. Got... Exactly. I was like, oh, Jimmy. Oh, we didn't get to see Jimmy. So hopefully we'll get to see more of him as well later. Anything else that you would like to add about Scott? Uh, just that Tim is wrong about Ant-Man in general. Mm-hmm. I agree. But that, that could be like a whole nother two-hour conversation. Yeah, we, we should do that. That could be like a special episode with Tim. Just discuss how incorrect he is. I mean, I think that when when we look at the overall characters for this film, and we're going to get to the others in a minute, you know, everybody's talking about Kang, and there's one other character that's really prominent in this film. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, uh, 
Paul Rudd really carries a lot of the film, not the whole thing, yeah. but quite a bit of it. And uh, I'm, I continue to be impressed every, every time he's in a Marvel movie. I just, I think that this character is a sweet spot for getting audiences to connect with what's going on in, in any Marvel film. I think this is a good avatar for the audience to right. kind of project themselves into that world. Exactly. It was, it was also cool um, seeing all of the different Scots all at oh, yeah. once later in the, yes. the movie too. Especially getting to see the Baskin Robbins Scott. And yes. he's like, why am I here? That was probably one of my favorite parts where he's just like, why am I even here? Like, what am I doing? Right. You have to wonder if he's looking around and seeing all these other versions of him and he's all of the others are a superhero except him. Yeah. He's like, what did I do to not deserve a super suit? Like, right. Exactly. I, I feel like that's my life. Like in some other multiverse, I am, I don't know, something with a costume and superpowers and, and this one. This is the one where I'm stuck, like, not doing anything. Yeah. And it's a little disappointing. I, I would be disappointed. Yeah. Um, we also see, uh, we see, we catch up with Hope again, Hope and Dine. We see she's, mm -hmm. uh, she's started, like, she's part of the head of the company now, um, doing all kinds of things, saving the world. You know, literally, you know, she's doing the Wasp thing as well, but she's really going into, going hard into the, into work and solving all the problems she possibly can. Whereas Scott, like like we said, mentioned, kind of took a backseat to like, I'm going to enjoy life. Hope was like, no, I need to continue doing what I was doing. I had to continue right. saving people, helping people, whether it's as Wasp or in my career, that's what I need to do. And I, Evangeline Lee is really cool in general. In this movie, even though it's just little, little montages we get of her, I was like, I love her even more. And she she's fantastic as Hope Van Dyne. Yes. Yeah, they definitely cast her really well. Mm -hmm. I, I think in this movie, so I liked all of the scenes with Hope. Mm -hmm. And Hope was good in this movie. She just wasn't, I feel like maybe she was underused or maybe she was used exactly the right amount because it wasn't really focusing on her. But she was always good when she was on screen. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed that she wasn't a little bit more prominent, but I think that in a film like this, maybe it would have gotten in the way of some of the story. I don't know. To to have too many characters being too prominent. I don't know. And I guess, I guess it can be misleading because she, it's Ant-Man and the Wasp in the title. Exactly. You kind of expect her to be a little bit more in focus as well. Because, I mean, she did, like you said, she was, you are right. She did. She did show up in, in scenes. She was there, mm -hmm. but she wasn't the main. It was more like she was assisting everyone else with things. she was. Yeah, she was almost like the, the tactical. She's the one that got everybody else out of trouble. So the mm -hmm. story wasn't really she wasn't involved in the story as much as she was involved in particular scenes in the plot. Right. And I feel like that's the same thing, I guess, with. Um, with Hank as well. But, Agreed. Yes. But again, I guess it wasn't, he wasn't in the title. Yeah. So, he, he's not on the title card. Mm -hmm. If it was just yeah. Ant-Man Mania, you'd be like, or just even Mania, you'd be like, oh, all right, whatever we get is whatever we get. But Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. you would assume. You, know, you expect to see more hope. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, I guess we can talk about Hank now since we kind of already mentioned him. Uh, yeah. But Hank, same thing. He's he's still working with ants. I feel like he was the running. It was almost a running joke with people just laughing about how much he liked ants throughout the whole movie. They're like ants. You like ants. He likes ants, which I'm. I'm that's he does like ants. I'm not. I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I just thought it was funny that a lot of his scenes were with him talking about ants, working with ants, or someone else commenting about how much he liked ants. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how I felt about him in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I get it. You don't want to have too many characters be too prominent, but I really feel like he was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Yep. He it, didn't really do a lot. Yeah, he was just, he was helping out with the mission and all that stuff. But he wasn't really, we didn't get any character development from him or anything like that. I mean, I guess we got some in the first Ant-Man, maybe a little bit in the and, and a lot in the second one, I guess. Yeah, so maybe, we're not lacking for development overall. Right, yeah. Yeah. They were probably just like, we focused on, focused on Hank in the first two we, he can take a back seat, is what I'm assuming. Yeah, and I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was a problem that he wasn't used too much. Exactly. But yeah, he was he was working with uh, ants in his lab. Um, we found that the ants have become smarter. They're building their own colonies, technology in the little ant farm that he has, and that just continues throughout the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get to see Cassie, um, who was recast by, um, as the actor who plays her as Catherine Newton. So different than the one we saw in Endgame. Oh, we kind of talked about that earlier, or yeah. by earlier, I mean, in, in past episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, from what we saw with Cassie, she's really just like, hey, my dad is Ant-Man and does so much. I also want to do a lot. But whereas Scott was kind of like, I did enough, I'm good. I don't need to help people now. I just want to live a normal life. Cassie's like, no, I want to lean into this and I want to, I want to be, I also want to do whatever Ant-Man does. I want to suit. I want to help people. I want to use the technology. She's really like really into it. And I think it kind of butts heads a little bit with Scott because Scott is like, no, I I promise I want to take care of you. Also because we've seen how dangerous things can get. So I think Scott is just trying to be a dad and protector. You know, we we all have parents done the same thing at some point in time bearing bearing degrees obviously so i think he's just kind of he knows where it could lead so he's just kind of like maybe just take it easy or be safe and maybe don't go too hard into it yeah i would agree with that um i i don't know how i feel about um Catherine newton's performance i feel like during the movie it didn't really bother me that much mm-hmm. And then we're reflecting back on it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like it wasn't a bad performance. Right. And I don't know if it was the performance of the writing to be fair. So I don't know that it, it's Catherine Newton's fault. Right. But I didn't feel that connected to the character. And yeah, I get it. I'm in my late forties, but that's not, that's not the thing. Like other characters that are like this, um, like, kind of the, What's that? Oh, I was just saying people connect to Spider-Man and he's like, yeah, younger. Yeah. 
So it's, I mean, yeah. you, you've got the coming of age story and, you know, moving on past the, the umbrella of your parents and becoming your own person. I mean, I used to be that age. I've been there. I can relate to those things. I yeah. don't know what it was about this, though. I feel like those moments were okay. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like Paul Rudd stood out in those moments, but probably because he is such a good actor and such an experienced actor that he was able to pull something out of those moments. Right. Because uh, it's kind of like when I talk about Ewan McGregor in the Star Wars prequels mm-hmm. or Ian McDermott or um, Liam Neeson. Right. Some of the dialogue was kind of rough, but they managed to pull it off well because they are such good actors. And then other people around them kind of floundered. Right. Because there wasn't a lot of strong direction. The dialogue wasn't great. And those people just didn't know what to do with it. And this was not that bad. I don't want to make it sound like it's something it's not. Yeah. But I really felt Cassie was kind of meh, like kind of okay. Yeah. And to be surrounded by not just Paul Rudd, but Michelle Pfeiffer and... Michael Douglas, like that's, and Jonathan Majors. And there's quite a few other actors in there that were fantastic as well, who've done great yeah. stuff. But like to be the newer one among at least those heavy hitters, it's it's really, it, it can be tough. You stand out a little more because you are newer. You are still learning. And you're right. It wasn't like, a, it wasn't so awful that you were like, this is horrible. And I just never want to see this. Yeah, again. yeah, and definitely it's, not awful at all. There were just, you could tell, that there was, she was more of a novice or beginner compared to the other actors who have been working at this for a long time. Yeah. And, and that's nothing on her. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. And I think for, you know, she did really good for mm-hmm. not being as experienced as the other people in the cast. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to Michelle Pfeiffer because um, mm. she was pretty big in this one, which I yeah. thought was awesome because there were so many questions from the last Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, like we didn't know a lot about her or what was going on. And having to see more of her and see why she was afraid of the quantum realm and just getting to see her. I've loved Michelle Pfeiffer since, you know, Batman Returns. I think most people love her in that movie, in that role. Anytime you're like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, everyone else goes, ah, Catwoman. So to have her be another like cool, strong, you know, but also wonderfully rounded character like uh, Janet Van Dyne, it just absolutely fantastic. I, again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Michelle Pfeiffer. So maybe that's why I was a little biased with that, with, with her character. Um, but I, th- I think it's, yeah. it's a, an objective opinion too. I mean, she had a lot of development of her character in this film. Mm-hmm. And I think that she as an actress carried it well. Like you could see mm-hmm. kind of her trying to avoid that part of her past, not wanting to say too much about it. But then when she gets wrapped up in it, mm-hmm. she she presents it in a way that you would expect someone to actually react. And keep in mind, it, it's not just dialogue. It's right. it's uh, body language and subtle movements and mannerisms and, and the way, you know, glances and, and looks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you could really tell uh, w- with her in, in that part of the story. So I, I think that I I don't think it's just your bias toward Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she really nailed it in this film. Yeah, yeah she did a great job. Yeah, so we get to just as a, I guess, for anybody who wants to just a 
quick recap of where Janet Van Dyne is, is she she doesn't want to talk about the quantum realm, but inevitably everybody gets sucked into the quantum realm. And like you said, she's forced to deal with things of her past, people from her past, um, you know, things that she did while she was there, because she was there for a long time. You know, it, it, it right. happens. You assume you're never going to escape a place and you're just like, well, I guess this is how I'm going to live my life now because I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not going back home. Will my loved ones be alive? I don't even know. So, um, you know, she just she did what she had to do. So that's kind of what we learn when she goes back and we find out the people she meets, that she helped Kang, that he needed her help, so she helped him. And then once she realized the type of person he was and what he was actually capable of, she tried to stop it and then pretty much escaped without really seeing, I mean, not escaped, but they came and rescued her. So she didn't get to see what was going on after that. Right. And then, you know, was accused by others of having mm -hmm. killed people as a result. Like she, she's in that position of you do the right thing. Mm -hmm. You help someone out mm -hmm. and then you find out afterwards the person you helped is a horrible person. Yeah. And then now you feel and others feel that you are culpable in what that person you helped did. Right. And so, Which, yeah, you know, of course you wouldn't want to talk to your family about that. And, and you know, the guilt mm -hmm. involved in that must be unbearable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I can only imagine how, and I guess she was probably thinking, like she said, Mel's besides the movie, she was trying to protect her family from whatever danger was there. Right. And, you know, at the time, you think that that's the best thing that you can do and that you're doing, you're doing well and you're doing the right by your family only to find out, you know, what maybe didn't go the way you planned. And hindsight is twenty twenty, So you don't know what you don't know and you can't fix what you don't know either. So, right. you know. It's it's not a I, I could totally understand how she got to where she was and then her you know it it, it went out of control yes but I don't think it was I don't think she, she did, clearly didn't do it on purpose no no clearly yeah. um so yeah we get to see Kang as well which I think most people were that was what most people were looking forward to was Kang yeah. Um, because I mean, Jonathan Major, Jonathan Majors was in Loki season one as he who he who remains, and he was he was fantastic in that role. He showed up in just like an episode or two and just stole the entire show for the short time he was on there. And he his character, he who remains, was like, no, there's worse coming. I'm not the worst. And we get to see Kang in this one. He he is the worst. He is bad. But mm -hmm. we know that he's there's still worse out there. Like there's an end credit scene just to skip ahead with all the other kings, and yeah, there there there's some that seem a lot. I mean, this this king that we face in Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is is pretty awful. He's just destroying timelines because he wants to destroy all the other kings, and that's his way of going about doing it. Just destroy timelines destroy the kings and yeah you know it, that's awful but at the same time there are also worse kings that we haven't seen yet we assume that they're worse right true i don't know i mean this one seemed pretty bad you're right yeah well i mean the end credits scene some of them just were like they were happy 
that this this one the they call him the sort of the conqueror, but they call the him exiled one. Exiled I one. think is what they called him in the yeah. the post credits. Exactly. So they were happy that the exiled one was gone. So clearly, even though he was killing everyone, he was still like he he was affecting all the other timelines. So now that he's gone, it's clearly going to be worse. Well, I find it it'll probably be worse just because they're like nobody's here yeah. now, so we can do whatever we want. Yeah, the quantity, if nothing else, is going to make it worse. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jonathan Majors did a fantastic job with as Kang. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though there were times that I was like, especially at the end, like like we said at the, at the beginning of the episode, people thought that he was gone and that it was because somebody was like, oh, he died really quickly. And I'm like, I don't think he died per se, because unless there is a body, I assume somebody's not like the, the characters are not dead but also we don't know he got sucked into that whatever mechanism or thing that he had to go back in time where did he actually go though? right well and people are saying this in the very movie in which we see modok come back right yep yeah exactly. so I mean, we've already seen that specifically in an Ant-Man movie, someone go through a process similar to this and then end up in the quantum quantum realm. And then, like you said, Kang's got this device and kind of the same sort of a process, but with a different mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, There are the people who study a lot of the, the theory and are looking forward into where the MCU might go. Mm-hmm. have a pretty specific idea on what might be going on here. And I think it's pretty fascinating. Right. I think we are definitely going to see him again. And mm-hmm. I think he is definitely going to be the big bad at the end of mm-hmm. the the phase six. Yeah. I don't think he's gone at all. And like we even see in this movie, Scott's like, is he gone? Did he die? Did I actually help him or did I make it? Yeah. Work? I mean, the foreshadowing was, right? was just so, yeah, I was like, so right in front of your face. Yeah. I saw some, I had seen somebody post about it being like, oh, he died so quickly. I'm like, but did he die? Like, I feel like we watched the different movie because I was like, there's no way he's dead. And we right. saw with a lot of, with a lot of uh, Marvel movies that things connect later on. And when you go back to watch them, you're like, oh, okay. That's why they did what they did. And right. You know, it was, again, still an enjoyable movie, but we don't know what's going to happen in the future and how this will all connect to the greater MCU. I I think that's pretty, pretty fantastic. And I'm interested to see what happens there. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of people were complaining about the fact that they get to the end of the movie and it seems like the entire movie was inconsequential. Right. Um, It just, it didn't matter. It was like the least relevant movie other than the fact that we, you know, we see a lot of Kangs and stuff at the end, but if you don't count the end credit scenes, mm-hmm. that the movie basically didn't matter to the greater MCU. Yeah. I feel like that for the reasons you just pointed out, I feel like that is completely wrong. I think this was the introduction of the villain and then he's going to go away for the rest of phase five mm-hmm. and most of phase six. And then in the Kang dynasty, I think we are going to see some of these other Kangs and then we are going to see him come back from where he is. And I have a good idea of where he might be and what he might be doing there. Yeah. And he's going to have changed radically oh, as yeah. he comes back. Yeah. And then we're going to lead 
right into secret wars. Um, yeah. And I totally got that feeling, even while while Scott was fighting uh, the Conqueror. Part of me was like, I, I know this isn't like, I know they're saying that, yay, we've like, it's hell happy, everything's done. But I just like Scott had that weird feeling being like, mm, there's more to this. There's, there's definitely, it's not the end. Something's going to happen. And we're going to pretend to relax about it, but it's it's going to, it's getting, it's going to get worse. Things are right. going to get out of control. And yeah, that, that was pretty much the, the feeling that I was getting. I was like, oh, this is going to, people are all like, oh, this was a fun movie, I guess. And I'm like, oh no, just wait. It's bound, it's start, it's going to get worse. Yeah. You know, Tim's pointed out before too, looking back at the second Thor movie. Mm-hmm. And how much it's changed now that we know what comes after it. Right, exactly. I really, truly think that quantum mania, people's opinion of it is going to change quite a bit mm-hmm. when we get to phase six. I think that people are going to look back at this and say, oh, you know what? I guess I didn't really see where they were going with it then. But mm-hmm. now I get it. Which, you know, you're not supposed to know where it's going because we haven't gotten it. The only person that knows where they're going to go with it is Kevin Feige and whoever else he entrusts in that little circle. Right. We as an audience member aren't going to know. And it's just like when you read any kind of book or like any kind of lit book, comic, whatever. You do, you only know what the author gives you. Eventually, you'll find out maybe later on down an issue. It'll be like asterisks. Right. This issue you forgot about that? Yeah, yeah, that happened for this to happen. So I find, at least for me, to enjoy a lot of these Marvel movies, I think of it like comic books or comic book issues. Mm, yeah. From the source material, because I sometimes don't know the source material. Um, so I just go, you know what? This is like a comic book. At some point, I'll be able to go, oh, that was that. That's what connected it to this. So that makes it a little easier to, I guess, enjoy the movies because I'm not expecting it to be a grand thing every single time. I'm just like, hey, yeah. see what it is, and we'll go from there. And I think expectations are another area in which Marvel fans are starting to shoot themselves in the foot, mm-hmm. in the feet. Yep. Because if you look at this, look at the different possibilities. So we kill off Kang, and the movie is inconsequential. Yeah. Which I don't think is what happened. Or we kill off Scott. Mm-hmm. Kang survives and and escapes the quantum realm and, and goes off wherever. Right. Well, now we want to know what happens next. And we're not going to find out. Phase five just began. And look at how much content we had in phase four. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a would lot. Take, yeah, it would take forever before we find out what happens next. And that's just going to frustrate people. So this movie needs to stand on its own as its own story. And I think that if you make it too obvious that Kang just gets up and walks away and wins, yeah, and yet his mission is just beginning, but then we don't see any of it again until later on, I think that would be a huge disappointment. People would be complaining about it even more than they already are. Yeah. And at least the way it is now, people can come back to it later and appreciate it because then they will see the seeds that were planted in this movie and, and what grew to fruition from that. Whereas if we'd gone the other direction, I I don't think, I think it just would have been, Oh, you made us wait so long to find out what happens next. Right. And that would have been it. And I think that was the same thing that we have what happened in like the previous phases with Thanos, 
We saw him in end credits here and there, but we didn't actually see him fully until much later. And right. people were like, where's Thanos? Why do we? Why did you show him if we're not going to see him? What's going on? And, yeah, and, if you look at Avengers 2, people were saying that. Age of Ultron. It's like, well, wait a minute, but there's nothing about Thanos here? Yeah, they're like, we saw, we saw Thanos at the end credits scene of Avengers, but he's not here yet. What's going on? And people were like a little annoyed about it. They're like, where's he coming? When's he going to yeah. be? We saw him again later on putting on the Infinity Gauntlet. And they're like, oh, but where is he now? Blah, blah, blah. And they just, it was the thing people were annoyed with. And yeah. Know, nobody wants to do the same thing over and over again. They want to recreate no. new, like new ways of, of seeing the material and getting excited about it. They don't want to recreate, they, they want to recreate the feeling. Yes, perhaps, but they don't want to do the same beats from the previous phases because that's what's the fun in that. Right. No, you got to do something different. And if you look at phase four and the amount of content that was in it, mm -hmm. I mean, it's practically the amount of one, two and three combined. Right, exactly. So if you if you do a big tease now that let me rephrase it. Teases are okay. If you do a big cliffhanger now, but then don't resolve the cliffhanger, yeah, until late in in phase 5 or early or midway through phase 6, mm -hmm. the amount of content. Imagine going through phase 1 and 2 and 3 and like getting nothing more about what's happening with your main villain, like just basically right. nothing. Yeah, exactly. People will be like, that's, go? that's a long wait. Yeah. At least through the other phases in, in the first trilogy of phases, we, we got teases with, we kept getting new infinity stones. Right. Exactly. And you know, like, that oh, was something. This, yeah. Well, they were like, Oh, what's this? How's this going to pull together? So I think people right. need to manage expectations one and just, you know, not, I think what people going back with the expectation thing, people are like, this is how it should be. This is what I think should happen. And then when, when their version of what should happen doesn't, you know, because they're not Kevin Feige and Kevin Feige has a plan and he's doing whatever he wants because he is the one that's involved there. But when people are like, well, I would have done it this way and you didn't do it my way. So I don't like it. And you're like, well, that's not how this works here. You are not the director, the writer, or the producer or the person involved right. with you're going to get what you're going to get. You can enjoy it. Or you can complain about it, whatever works for you. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we'll, we will see Kang later. Um, kind of going along with it. We do see a second end credit um, and it's with Loki and. Uh, um, Morbius. Morbius, thank you. I was like, oh, I'm, oh. I'm sorry. I do that all the time. Mobius, yeah. not Morbius. Oh, Mo yeah, no. Oh, God, no, not Morbius. Good, goodness. Yeah. Don't confuse those two. One is. <laughs> this is the second episode I've done that on. <laughs> it's okay. We, we were just, we wanted to make sure everyone else was paying attention. That's, we're testing. Exactly. Testing. Exactly. It was just a test. Make sure that they knew that it wasn't Morbius. Yep. But and we see them watching a presentation by Victor Timely. From mm -hmm. 1901. Yep. Yep. And it turns out to be Kang. Um, and then uh, Loki's like, oh, that's him. And Mobius is like, he's not that scary. And Loki's like, no, no, he, no. And from what oh, I- you have no idea. Yeah. He's like, mm. so it looked like it was a clip from season two of Loki is what I gathered from it. Because it didn't seem like a standalone tease or a trailer or anything like that. It feels like it was an actual clip of season two. And I I loved Loki. I'm a big fan. Like Tom Hiddleston is an actor. Owen Wilson was great as Mobius. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. 
Me too. Um, between that and the other end scene, uh, end credit scene, mm-hmm. I I have a lot of speculations. I don't know what what to say or what to wait for another episode. Probably wait for another episode, I guess. But yeah. um, yeah. I, I will say this. I won't say anything about the other end credit scene yet and some specifics that yeah. I think we're going to see again that we saw there and where we might see those things. Mm. But I predict, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. that the the Loki season two clip is going to relate to the creation of the TVA. That, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. There's been a lot of speculation about that. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's not some unique idea I came up with there or anything. But it, right. it does seem like that could be where we get the creation of the TVA. Because the TVA was created by a Kang. Yep, exactly. Right. To keep so, track of the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I wonder how that would work with the rest of Amen and the Wasp. Seeing that we know the reason why the Conqueror was doing what he was doing was because all the other Kangs were really just going, going all kinds of going all over the place, trying to, to throw the timeline out of whack. So, well, so a couple of things about that though. So we don't have a reliable narrator. Fair. That's true for that. Right. I mean, this is Kang telling Janet these things. Can we trust him? We don't know. Probably not. Yeah. And so there's that. And the other thing, too, is we know that the multiverse war, based on He Who Remains and what he explained at the end of of Loki season one, that the multiverse war had to do with um, it it basically the the conflict amongst the Kangs ended up resulting in these incursions. Mm -hmm. And that that was how He Who Remains resolved it was by exiling this other Kang, but I mean, we didn't get that level of description in in Loki season one, but if it was incursions, then I got the impression that this Kang was going around killing all of the other Kangs in order to have this timeline be the primary timeline. Right, right, right. And if that's the case, then that's why at the end of the movie, when we have the Council of Kangs, that's why we see them all happy because this other guy is is gone now. So the threat is gone. Right. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. That is exactly what was going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to season two of Loki because I'm sure we're going to get a little bit better description. Some of the holes filled in. Yeah. Regarding he who remains and then this particular Kang and and why he was exiled, what he was doing in more specificity, things like that. Yeah, agreed. Um, and the, so you mentioned earlier, we did get to see MODOK. Um, mm-hmm. MODOK was, I, I don't know, were you surprised with who MODOK actually was or did you have any idea? I got it from one of the trailers. If, if you did a frame by frame in the trailers, you could see that it was the same actor's face. See, I didn't notice that. I, I did notice there was a face there and I screenshotted it, but I didn't really zoom in or look closely at it. Um, but just for those who, who have seen it, um, it is Darren Cross. Darren Cross was in the first Ant-Man movie. He was the one who wears the yellow jacket, um, creates his own kind of Ant-Man, quote unquote, Ant-Man suit, attacks Cassie at the end of the movie and then gets banished to the quantum realm. 
Um, so I, I wasn't expecting it really. So when the, the mask pops open and he's like, it's me. And Scott's like, Darren, I thought that was, I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I know people were like, oh, Modoc is a ridiculous character and how are they going to do it? I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that version of Modoc for, for whatever it was. Yeah. And I thought perfectly placed in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think in any of the other ones, it would have seemed seemed more ridiculous. But I think because of the way Ant-Man is, it works well in that movie, um, in the movie. Um, Definitely. You know, I just, I, I thought it was funny, his interactions with Cassie and how after Cassie was like, Darren, like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing exactly? You can't be this kind of person. And a lot of things that she was saying, I don't know, you know, censor-wise, if I can say all the things, but a lot of the the things that she was just joking around or telling him about, I was like, these can be t-shirts and it would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's one line in there. Mm-hmm. Definitely a t-shirt line. Yeah. Like I think it's so tempting. She says the last one she says before she runs off, that was definitely was like that. That could so be a t-shirt. And then oh, yes. she comes back and helps out. And <laughs> I just, I thought it was so great the way they had him in there. I have to say I'm one of those people that thought it was absolutely ridiculous and that it was possibly going to ruin the movie, just having him there at all. Yeah. yeah. And I got to give props to the writers for writing the creation of the character that way. It is not only perfect, it is probably the only way it could work and it does work. It is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And on top of that, I too, I liked the interactions. I thought it was going to be this cheap, useless villain character. And instead it was actually funny. Mm-hmm. The humor worked and yet was also a, a pretty decent character and, and a character that uh, was enough of a threat that you could feel it as a threat and not so much that it overpowered any of the other characters or villains. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, I just thought it was cute that having, I mean, like, even though Modoc was like pure evil, like pure craziness at the beginning at one point, I thought it was, a, it was adorable when he sees uh, Hope and he's like, you cut your hair and, or change your hair. And she like goes to reach for her hair and she's like, Wait, what am I doing? I thought that right. was like an adorable little reunion that you, you wouldn't yeah. have did. You were like, this, this is a villain, but also, uh huh. So yeah. the whole end yeah. with, with him was so good. Yeah. I thought of you like a brother. It was just, it, it was well, well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other, one of the new characters, we see a few of the, I guess, quantum people is what Cassie calls them. Um, mm-hmm. They're not really people, but um, the one character whose name I can't remember, but the actor is in uh, the good place. He plays uh, Chidi and Agonia in. Yeah. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was great. Like I just um, really, his name it. is um, William Jackson Harper. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was hilarious because he's a mind reader and he can read, he can read thoughts. Um, and the fact that, you know, Scott just jokingly like, or not even jokingly he thinks whatever he starts thinking, I was like, please don't think that don't, don't stop. Please don't No, no, stop. Stop doing that. I, I got a kick out of that. Because I can imagine mind readers being like, oh, this is so irritating that I can literally hear everybody's thoughts and I don't want to. 
Right. It was not only was it really well written, Mm -hmm. but that actor has such a good sense of comedic timing. He really Um, does. He's so good on The Good Place. And then he was really good here. Yeah. Just he he does that kind of straight laced comedy. Yeah. Really, really well. That deadpan kind of the the pained um, victim of, of all of the just ridiculous people around him. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I loved his character. His character's name was Quaz. Quaz. Thank you. Loved him in this. Yeah. I, I thought he was great. And I'm like, I can't wait to see more of, of him. I'm sure we will, because that would be such a sad thing if they just had him for this one movie and never again. Um, because I think that actor, like you said, he's fantastic and they really should utilize him more. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we saw a few other characters. There was the, oh, I can't remember everybody's name right now, but the the, the warrior. Um, I can't remember her name, but she was fantastic. She helped Cassie a lot and Cassie helped her. Um, oh, uh, Jen Tora. Jen Tora, thank you. So yeah, I by Katie O'Brien. Right. I'm sorry, right. I'm cheating. I have IMDb open. At no, the that's moment, good so because I'm, I'm not remembering all these on my own. I, I don't want to play it off like I am. I know, but I appreciate that because I, I should have IMDb open, but I, I didn't. <laughs> I, just, I, I always forget when I record. So this one I time hope. I've got it. But like, yeah, she, I thought I thought she was a great character also. Definitely. Um, get to see her more as well. Um, I My favorite was the, uh, the, what was his name? The, the Blob character. Um, oh, um, was it, was it Veb? Yeah, I can't. Solemn. I'm I'm looking at the different character names here. He was played apparently. He was played by the same guy who plays one of the characters in the first Ant Man. Um, one of the heist members, not Louise, but there was another guy, not the not Ti's character, third guy. Hmm. Anyways, I I think I can find it here. That that character made me laugh so much. He's like, "How many holes do you have?" And then. And then, that then was a, that was a first Kevin, and then and then Scott going just like he he freezes for a minute as he counts all the holes, and he's like yeah yeah seven yeah that's right, um, and then at the end when he gets you know he gets lasered at, and gets a whole bunch of holes and he's yes. like I have holes and then just inhales everyone like Kirby style, was <laughs> so good I was like this what is happening right now this is great, yeah. Yeah. I liked, um, I don't know what the character's name is, and I was trying to to listen for it and couldn't catch it. Uh, the cannon head guy. Hmm. The guy with a big giant light on, on his head. Yeah. But yeah, he was great, too. I liked him. Yeah. It really I kind of wanted an action figure of him. I Yeah, I agree. I was really sad, though, when he had, like, the, when Kang just literally makes his head explode. That was. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, I was like, no, I like that guy. Um, yeah. He was a really cool character. There were a lot of interesting characters that we got to see. Um, some obviously were focused on more. Some were just like a gag, like Bro- the broccoli head guy. Um, yeah. And we got Bill Murray, Lord yes, Krylar. Right. Yeah. Um, and find out that he and Janet have a little bit of a thing. Um, which was yeah. Interesting. I Yeah, that was I thought that was interesting. Didn't but bother I was, hiding that from Hank at all. Which I really actually appreciated that part where she was like, listen, I'm just, this is who I, this is what I, like, I, I was gone for a long time. 30 years. 
I'm a human being and like I don't I don't know what you expected from me like I thought you were gone I thought I was dead like I was gonna die here mm-hmm. what you gotta do but I, I like I appreciated that even Hank wasn't like oh my god you're like terrible person for the he was just like no I got it like I yeah I, had problem. I did the same thing like you know what I get it um it wasn't more like it was more like a that guy like you could have done better but he also right. get yeah. it at the end of the day because I too was like I did the same thing, but she wasn't you at the end of the day. So I thought that was a very, like, it was, it was kind of a realistic, I mean, obviously nobody's in the quantum realm, but I thought it was just like, it was just kind of sweet. Like, Hey, this happened, but you know, we know why it happened. Like if I was not here, we would like, I wouldn't have done any of this, but I was here and right. I think like, it's not my fault. I so mean, I just, both thought, of those characters thought it was the end of right? the relationship. Yeah. Forever. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought it was just a sweet little way of being like, Hey, I still love and care about you. And you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, um, I guess we can talk about some of the things that uh, I guess we can wrap, start wrapping it up because we've already been on here for almost an hour and uh, <laughs> have things a little bit more concise. So well, uh, I think a lot of the movie, what made the movie, the movie was more the character moments anyway. Agreed. Than- um, I mean, the plot, honestly, I kind of feel like, so plot is a part of story, mm-hmm. right? Story is more than just the plot. Story can also be character moments and, and character development and things like that. Whereas to me, plot is more about the list of events right? and, and the conflicts and such. And I thought that this movie maybe wasn't all that strong on plots anyway. I think it was more the the character moments and, and, you know, the development of Kang and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And I, I, I don't know, even the kind of the father daughter thing between Scott and Cassie was okay. Right. But I, I I think a lot of what made this movie good was more uh, Kang and, and Janet and that whole side of things. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like we got more, Cassie Scott relationship in previous in the previous two Ant Man movies, right. um, especially the first one. Um, this one was like I think it was just to kind of introduce her as a superhero and her kind of being like, "Hey, right. I'm doing what you're doing. I need to kind of figure this out on my own at the same time." So yeah, it was an introduction of her as a stature kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely one of those examples where we're trying to bring in a new generation of of the varying iterations of these heroes. And, and this was yeah. kind of her moment, yeah. I think, to to kind of have that baton passed on to her. Exactly. Um, and, and I think in that regard, I think it worked. But mm-hmm. I think really the other moments in the film were more the clever uses of the nature of like the physics of the world around them yeah. and, and the different creatures and, and those sort of kind of more tactical uh, conflicts like when when there are all the Scots trying to go in and, and retrieve that mm-hmm. that thing, yeah, uh, and the end battles and and things like that, like almost the the puzzle solving, which doesn't always lead to strong story moments, mm-hmm. but I think it was good world building, and the production values were good, and yeah, I, it was. I like that side of it. Like even the uh, where we see Janet at the beginning, the, the quantum realm looked beautiful. Like the clouds and the sky and everything looked absolutely stunning in that in that scene. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, 
I enjoyed it. I guess final thoughts really was just that I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. It did feel like you were visiting another world, another planet, and just getting to see what happened there, but also knowing that this isn't the end of Kang, and we're definitely going to see more of him and the other Kangs, and it's going to probably be a lot more terrifying. So this is like calm before the, st- before the storm type situation. I agree. I think that... For what I expect we're going to see through phase five and phase six, I think this was a good introduction. I just think people aren't going to see it until later on. Um, I thought it was a fun movie on its own. It wasn't great. It wasn't monumental. It also wasn't bad. And it certainly wasn't horrible. I I think it was a solid, fun movie. I I think it's, you know, on a scale of of one to ten, and, and a lot of people are calling it kind of like a two or a three, I think it's at least a solid six. Yeah, I was, I, I said about a seven. I know friends who said 6.5. So yeah. Yeah, I could go seven. Yeah, yeah. between six and seven, I think were what my friends and I had narrowed it down to. When you're introducing a story, mm-hmm. it's really hard to knock it out of the park at the beginning. If you look at a book, there yep. are few books I can think of where the first 10th, of the mm-hmm. book yeah. is really, really stellar. The right. first tenth of the book is only important as you get further into the book, typically. Exactly. And mm-hmm. phase four is about putting the different pieces on the board. And phase five is really where the overall story arc is truly beginning. And we mm-hmm. have to keep in mind that this is that. This is the the Luke on Tatooine of Star Wars. Right. Like exactly. not even that much of it. I mean, that was a good third of that movie. This is just a, a fraction of that. Right, exactly. Yeah, so excited to see the, you know, what the rest of phase five, six, and future phases bring. Yeah. And, you know, whatever happens to the rest of the characters in Ant-Man and the Wasp. hmm All right, so we're going to end it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have a good night.